Hi, my name is Amy Reinecke, and I'm here to help you learn to love your body well. Love Your Body Well is a podcast designed to encourage women to find the beauty in caring for their bodies without obsession, guilt, and shame. We are ditching the perfection mindset and embracing the season of life you are in, all while figuring out what works best for you on your wellness journey. Join me for weekly episodes as we navigate this journey together, and let's start a revolution of women who are focused on wellness while also being compassionate and kind to their bodies. Are you ready to live your body well? This interview has been booked for a couple weeks now. And when I tell you I have been like chomping at the bit <laughs> to sit down and record it, I have been chomping at the bit to sit down and record it because I think that this episode is something that a lot of us need or want to hear more about. And that is how to raise kids with a healthy body image and healthy self-talk and what to do if they end up not having a healthy body image or healthy self-talk and kind of what to do about that. And to talk about this, I brought on Carrie Cooper. She lives in New Jersey and has a private practice there. And she comes at this from a holistic approach, which I really, really appreciate from a therapist. And she works with middle school, high school, and college-age kids in a number of different ways that they struggle. And I think that just kind of opening that up and knowing that like kids need therapists too. Kids need help too. And I think it's important, honestly, to recognize that the way that we talk to our kids and the verbiage that we're using around them is really, really important. And I know it's also very nuanced and it's very scary as parents to think about like how to make sure that we are doing the best that we know how to do. And so Carrie, thank you so much for coming here today and having this really important conversation with me. Thank you so much for having me. We have already talked 20 minutes prior to hitting record. <laughs> and I finally said to Carrie, we just need to hit record because we're, we're talking about things that we just need to have actually out to you guys to listen to. But before we dive into this really, really juicy topic today, Carrie, will you tell people a little bit more about who you are and who you serve? So, you know, you summed it up pretty well. I'm a holistic psychotherapist in Northern New Jersey, and I really work with middle school, high school, college kids. And their families as well, because you can't have a child without a family, really. And it's all connected. And a few years ago, I wrote a book and then I just published another book. Really, the first book was Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know. And it's a parent's guide to how to raise mentally healthy children. And it's bringing it back to the foundations. It's like bringing it back to the basics, which we forget all the time in our crazy lives. And then I wrote um, a workbook based on that for teenagers so they could actually take control of their own life and say, okay, let me go through this book. Let me change my day-to-day habits so I can feel better. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a strong foundation, any type of stress is just going to, it's going to knock you right over. It's just like building a house. Yes. I love that you're a therapist who focuses on these foundations. That is really like the foundation also of my my podcast, my brand, everything that I talk about is is those foundational things. And that was something that I did not know <laughs> growing up. I started struggling with body image when I was 10 years old. And I mean, it wasn't ever like the prescription was go on a diet, even though I didn't need to go on a diet. But it wasn't like, are you moving? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you doing these things? And so the focus was a little off kilter. And I think now as a 41-year-old mom myself, 
and learning these things for the first time really in the last couple of years, I think that's a gift now that we can give the next generation of there are so many foundational aspects to look at in regards to your health and wellness. And it doesn't just come from physical wellness, like you're talking about. Those foundations are important for our mental wellness too. Yes, absolutely. And I really broke it down to like five physical foundations and five mental foundations. You know, we're not going to be mentally strong if we're just saying yes to everything instead of putting up boundaries. Like we need to teach kids that it's okay to have boundaries and parents need to model that. Like there's so many things that I talk about in my office with my kids. And I'm like, wait, where did you learn that? And they're like, oh, well, my mom says yes to everything. And then she's exhausted and has no patience. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Here's me looking at myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I we think to do everything and we don't we realize do. that that's what we're teaching our children to do. Yes. And do you yes. want your child to do that? Or do you want them to be able to say, no, I can't do that because I have to do my homework. No, I can't sit on the phone with you for three hours complaining about your boy problems. I have homework to do. Right. And that doesn't make you a bad friend. No. It you boundaries and just putting yourself first. Yes. And I think that that is a very hard thing for adults to learn, especially like our generation. Like I, I have a lot of listeners who are around my age and we were not taught that. We, we were not. Like it was, it was hustle culture back then. And, and I think we're still in that. I think so many just go, 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 go. And, you know, all my kids are in sports and sports are very demanding mm-hmm. and you can get kind of sucked into that. I'll, I'll share a story recently. My middle child has done Taekwondo for the last two and a half years and he's done it alongside every other sport that we've done. And Taekwondo is a very time consuming sport. When we enrolled him in that, we looked for. We were looking for something that could give him like focus and self-control because that was some areas that he was struggling in. And so we sought out Taekwondo to help with that. It has done that. It has been amazing in that. But this fall, he was in three sports and he was gone almost every night of the week and he's eight. Yeah. And he... I could see that the fire had kind of gone out a little bit. And it was really hard for me because he's one year away from earning his black belt and he's worked so hard. But we had some very adult conversations and and he said to me, and I was so proud of him. He goes, there's just other things that I want to focus on more and I don't want to be gone every night of the week. That was and so I, brilliant that he I know his age. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to force you to do this. If this is how you feel, I honor you and I honor that and I honor your time and your schedule too, because I think it's important for parents to also honor their feelings about it. And I said, if your fire is not there for it anymore, then we'll take you out. And so he's out now. And that was a hard thing because they've become a family. I mean, we're there two to three nights a week. And so to step away from that was really hard, but it's also opening up more time in our schedule that I, like you just said, I think is so important because sometimes I think we just fill our schedule up so much. And this is really not on the topic for today at all, but I think it's important that we're talking about it. But we fill up our schedule so much that then we don't have time for the things that are actually important to us. So I write about that in both books. In my workbook for kids, I actually say like, what is important to you? And what are you doing in your daily schedule? Write it out. Does it match what's important to you? And in my book for parents, I write about the world of athletics for these kids and what it's really doing long-term, what the research is really showing. And that doesn't mean that sports aren't great and wonderful, but Mm -hmm. we have to come back into a balance 
you know, I have kids who play sports. I have a kid who competitively dances. I write a hysterical story about her and her dance and how I was that mom who said no. And I put a limit on it when everybody else was saying yes. And she didn't speak to me for three days. It's hard to be the one to say no. It 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 is is hard to say, especially when everybody else, it is very hard to stand in that. But I think that this kind of leads us into this topic of today when we're raising kids that have a healthy inner voice. And sometimes having a healthy inner voice means that you have to do hard things. It means that you have to shut out things that kind of contain that voice or can get in the way and can quiet that voice and make the negative voice louder. So that's really the heart and soul behind this particular episode. Like many women, I think, listening, I have struggled with food and body image uh, since I was an adolescent, still at 41 and navigating that. I'm light years from where I was many years ago. But I think that when you have that experience and when you go through that, I think you're always on a healing journey. I think that's important to recognize. And that doesn't mean that you're failing as a mom if you still struggle with that, or maybe you haven't ever struggled and then you had kids and now all of a sudden you're like, well, my body looks different and I look different. And now I don't know how to process that either. So whether you've struggled as an adolescent or whether you're struggling now as an adult, I think the scary thing to think is we don't want our kids to have that same struggle. Like I, I know I have you know two boys and a girl and I am terrified that one day one of them will struggle the way that I have. I don't want that pain for them. And so how does our body image and the way that we talk to ourselves, the way that we are presenting ourselves to our family and our homes in a very vulnerable way with a lot of nonverbal language, quite honestly, how does that impact our kids? Well, first, I want to say that you could do every single thing right as a parent and your child still may have a negative view of their body. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Yeah. Parents, you know, like take a step back. It's okay. You're doing the best you can. I never want a parent to feel like I failed. You didn't. You're human. We have to realize we're human. It's okay. But in saying that, are there things that we should be aware of to not make a situation worse, to try to give them that inner voice of knowledge and of confidence? Absolutely. You know, when I talk to the kids I work with, many, many, many kids have a really negative voice around what they look like. And it's not just girls. We always focus on girls. Mm -hmm. It is more and more boys. And I'm going to blame kind of social media on that one, especially when all their Instagram and TikTok are like bodybuilders and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And kids are sending back and forth like ab pictures. Yes, this is happening. I know. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) I'm not ready for that. He's only, he's only 12. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready ready. for this. Get ready. Um, (laughs) So it's boys too, that we have to be really aware of. And that conversation almost looks a little bit different sometimes than the female version of that conversation. But it's one thing what we say, it's another thing what they observe. And I want to talk about like what they're observing. So when I talk to kids in my office about body image, I'm like, well, where did, where do you think this came from? And I always say, how do your parents, and I now talk about both parents. I talk about if there's a male and a female, I talk about both. How do they talk about their bodies? Because I'm seeing more and more dads with body issues. I'm seeing more and more dads on extreme keto, whatever diets and working out extreme amount of hours a day because they're quote unquote healthy. This is not healthy. Mm -hmm. So we have to be aware that it's both genders that this is happening with. 
Yeah. And it's not just all being blamed on moms. You know, dads have to take ownership of this as well. So it's what you're doing. Are you not sitting down at the kitchen table with them eating dinner? They're noticing. They are noticing. And kids will tell me, yeah, my mom makes food, and but she's not eating. She's walking around the kitchen cleaning. She's like, you know, serving us, but she's not sitting down and eating. Yeah. They see it. They do see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am told oftentimes about like their parents' really strange eating patterns. Like they're seeing it and they're like, well, you're telling me to eat three meals a day, but you're not eating three meals a day and you're, you know, fasting for 12 hours a day or whatever the new trend is. What that's telling them is that you are not happy with the way you look. Right. Right. But you don't have that positive inner voice. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for them to develop it when you're not walking the walk. Right. Yeah. You brought up some, some things here. Back in my dieting days, I can remember my family sitting at the table and I was up measuring all my food. So like they would all be nearly done eating. And then I finally sat down at the table with my measured meal, you know, and they'd be like, mom, come sit down. Mom, come sit down. Now, thankfully, my kids were younger. I don't know how much of that they remember, but that was something that I didn't see when I was in the middle of it. And I think that this is something I want to talk about here. I felt like I was doing this for them. Like I was getting healthier for them. So I was needing to lose weight for them, for myself too, but also to make me the mom that I wanted to be. So let's kind of talk about that as a parent. Like if you're needing to make, you know, different choices in order to get in a healthier state, how can you do that without your kids like absorbing that as, oh, this is the only way or this is the way it has to be? I don't think I'm doing a good job at actually saying that question, but like, let's say that like you do need to focus on diet and exercise and that, like, how can you make sure that that is like a really protective boundary that you're, that you're setting and that you're saying like, okay, these things are important to me. But we don't take them overboard. Right. And that's a delicate balance. So Mm -hmm. I'll address the exercise part of it first. I always say exercise is not for your physical body. It is for your mental health. It Mm -hmm. actually helps produce great chemicals in your body. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel accomplished. This is why I work out personally. Mm -hmm. And my kids know I work out every single morning before they're even awake. I do it for my mental health because it makes me feel good about me because it makes me feel strong. Because one moment I pick up those weights and the next moment I pick up those weights and I accomplish something. And my husband goes to the gym again because it helps him mentally, because it helps the organs in your body. It's never about what it does for us physically. That's just what happens when you exercise. You know, that's not the goal or the focus. Mm -hmm. And I think that exercise is really important and all kids should be doing physical activity. And then you make it something that's actually fun not something that you're dreading. Let's go on a family hike. Yeah. Let's go for a walk, which is by the way, one of the best times to get your kids to talk to you is like shoulder to shoulder instead of. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I had a mom who said you'll have some of the most, and this is when he was young. My oldest was young, but she said you will have some of your most impactful and meaningful conversations in the dark when they're going to bed and you're like laying down with them to put them to bed and in the car. When they're in the back seat or when they're next to you, but you're not having to make eye contact. Yes. All the time. And the same thing with a walk. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of parents will say, Oh, well, my kids get, you know, exercise. Like they're in all these activities. That's different. They need to learn to like embrace exercise as something they enjoy and they love. So like hiking is always a great one. Rock climbing, like things that make them feel powerful, things that make you feel powerful. 
So in terms of exercise and parents getting healthy in terms of exercise, that's how it has to be. And there's many times when I will say to my kids on a Sunday morning, I have so much going on in my head. I need to go for a run. Yeah. Yeah. I will go for a run. Mm -hmm. It's never, oh my God, I went out to dinner last night. I ate so much. Let me go for a run. I know. No, it's not about that. And honestly, I could say that's, that's not true for me. Like that's not what I do. It's really the mental health aspect of it. And in terms, we'll flip now to eating, like in terms of eating, 90% of our chemicals for our brain are made in our gut. You need nutrients. That is how you maintain life. So when we talk about food in our house, there's never a good food, bad food. There is a nutritious food and a not so nutritious food, which is still completely fine to eat, but it's all about balance because we need nutrients. It's not about what you can't have. It's about what you can have, what you Mm -hmm. want to have. Food should be enjoyable. Food Mm -hmm. should be delicious. Yes. But it's about getting those nutrients in. Right. We talk a lot about like, how do you feel? Yeah. How does we make too? Yeah. Or we'll talk about, you know, like if they're getting ready to go to a practice or something, like if they haven't like fueled their bodies in a way that I feel like is going to like serve them well at practice, then I'll say you might want to have a little bit more so you're not, so you don't get like sick feeling at practice or, or whatever. But I think just helping them kind of tune in to how does your body feel and what do you, what do you want and kind of allowing them to create that own inner voice and trust their bodies. That is a gift that we can give them quite honestly, that when you are raised so heavily in diet culture, that gift is kind of robbed. And I hate to be that like kind of black and white with it, but that's a little bit how it is that, I mean, to no fault of my mom's, but it was just like, you need to eat less. You know, if you want to look different, then you need to eat less. And But that was just the verbiage back then. That's just how it was. And now we know better so we can do better. If you're in there now, or if that's how you were raised or whatever, I don't think we can spend a ton of time like shaming or having guilt about the way it was, but we can start today and we can create new patterns and we can talk in a different way to help raise the next generation with that healthier mindset regarding body image and exercise. And I love that you say that exercise is just about like feeling good in your body. And I think that that's so important. And I'm someone who grew up hating, hating exercise or anything sports related. And, you know, we do our kids such a disservice with the way gym class is set up. Like they have run days in high school. I'm not doing a run day in high school. This is like, why aren't we letting them find yoga, strength training, stuff that they're actually going to be able to take with them for a lifetime. That's going to build them up instead of being like coming in last on the run day. And the teacher, that was me. That was me. That was me. And now I run actually because I enjoy it. Which is yeah. amazing because I mean, I had every excuse in the book in high school as to why I didn't go to gym class. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. But now I'm working out on a daily basis because I found what works for me and what I love. Yeah. I think that, that that is important. And I think that that's a gift that not only are we giving our kids who are watching, but it's a gift that we're giving ourselves because who wants to sit down to food that they hate? Who <laughs> wants to tell themselves, I can only eat X amount of hours a day? And then the other, the other part of the day. And I realize that some, some people might be doing that for health reasons, but I would, I would really make sure that that's actually addressing the health issues. That's all I'm going to say about that. So make sure that like, if you're going several hours without eating, like, is that truly what does feel good in your body? Or do you think that that's what you're supposed to be doing? Right. And kind of just ask yourself those questions. 
right. Everyone is so unique. And actually in my workbook, I have a whole page and it's like, what did you eat and how did it make you feel? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we've gone away from that. And I tell the kids all the time, especially when it comes to sugar, let me explain to you physically what happens to your body when you're ingesting a ton of sugar mm-hmm. or any other processed food, which really just breaks down a sugar. Mm-hmm. You're not getting any benefits from it. You're spiking your blood sugar. You're feeling great for a moment. And then you're going to come crashing down and you're going to feel awful. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 And that's not to say, you know, don't grab your Starbucks, but maybe don't grab it every single day. Again, it's right. like a 100% agree with that. And I think too, it's also a choice. It's a balance and it's a choice that sometimes, you know, okay, I want that today. Right. And this goes for kids too. Like I never want my kids to feel like things are completely off limits. No. But just like, does that sound good right now? Like, you know how you felt last time or whatever. Like, just ask yourself that question. And it's so interesting to watch that slowly begin to happen in their brains very naturally. That's something I I have felt like I've done a good job at is asking them, like, how does your body feel? Like, are you actually physically hungry or are you bored? Like, just asking them that question, you know? And sometimes they're like, yeah, I'm bored or yeah, I'm actually hungry. And if they're actually physically hungry, then okay, then eat. Like, I'm not going to like tell you that you can't eat. Or I'm also not going to sit at the table and make them finish their plate. Thank you. Which is something that is very challenging, I think, with kids. Because if you're a mom listening, which I'm assuming that you are, when you sit down and sometimes you feed your kids a meal and like they eat like three bites and they're like, I'm full. And then like 20 minutes later, they want a snack. Mm -hmm. That is a hard thing to figure out. I'm just going to say that. That is a very, very, very hard thing to figure out. But I think it's okay. You've talked a little bit about boundaries, Carrie, and it's okay to have some boundaries around food in a certain way. Like, hey, we're going to eat breakfast. I'm going to serve you a breakfast. And this is what we're eating now. If you don't want to eat this right now, then we can put this in the fridge. And when you're hungry here in a little bit, then you can finish it. The same with lunch or dinner, you know, instead of what happens is like, oh, okay, you're not going to eat that. Then we throw it out. And then they are wanting something packaged. Right. No. Like we can't do that. And I'm not saying that you're wrong if you've done that because hello, we've all done it. All and we've all been there. 100%. I listened to a podcast a while ago that it was literally a light bulb moment for me. And I think that some of you who hear this are going to have a light bulb moment too. They were explaining this scenario and they said that the reason why kids go after packaged foods over like something that is like a whole food type thing, like, you know, blueberries or whatever, is because the packaged food always tastes the same. And kids like it when things don't change. They, they don't like like adversity in regards to like their food or their routine very often. And so that is why like packaged food feels safer to kids because when you eat an apple, it might not taste the same every time. When you eat a carrot or a blueberry, sometimes they're sour, sometimes they have more flavor and that can be kind of hard for kids. And that really was like a light bulb moment for me. Like, Oh, like. That's why. So you just have to kind of help them. You have to guide them. That's our job as parents is to kind of guide them in that way and say, okay, like this is it. We're not going to have the snack right now, but we can finish, you know, whatever meal we just had. And I think that that's just a way that we can gently guide them into focusing more at mealtimes and actually filling their belly up at that time to where they have that healthier relationship with meals and they begin to understand, oh, this is that hunger fullness stuff that mom talks about. This is how I feel. And this is how I should feel at the end of a meal. And in talking about dinner and boundaries, do not feel like you have to be a short order cook. That mm-hmm. is not healthy for anybody. Mm-hmm. 
you can make one meal. Now, when I make a meal, I always make sure there are elements within my meal that each child not necessarily loves, but would eat. Mm -hmm. I have a kid who just does not eat pasta. He just doesn't do it. Fine. I have one of those too. Yeah. So if I'm making like a chickpea pasta with like some great like sauce, which I put a lot of like extra good vegetables in and all that, not hiding them, telling the kids we don't hide food, you know, so they know my, my sauce is filled with vegetables and all the good stuff. I will make sure then that we do some type of protein with that meal so that, you know, everybody kind of has something. I have one kid who loves peas, another one who hates peas. Okay, let me put a whole medley of vegetables together. But again, it should be one meal. And family dinners are so important. And there's so much research behind them. If you want a child who has better grades, better self-esteem, lower uh, drug use, you're going to sit down to family dinner. And the more you do it, the better it is. And family dinner should be one meal. Right. Yeah, I, I love that you said that. And I think that it is true. It is true that you know we have five people in our family. All five of us have different palates. And so can we just normalize that? Can we normalize that like, your kid is not a bad kid if they don't like the food that you're serving. It doesn't make them a bad kid. And it doesn't make you a bad cook. No. <laughs> so sometimes I do get the comment, this is gross. Well, I, <laughs> I <try>. do. <laughs> <laughs> not all my meals are fantastic. Yeah. And that's also when I really encourage, like when you're doing your meal planning, because so much of this also comes down to planning. Mm-hmm. You have to plan. Like we're too busy to not plan. You can't, right? you know, just try to pull it off last minute. So we plan our meals. And I always say to the kids, what what dinners would you want? Mm-hmm. Look on Pinterest, find some recipes. What looks good to you? Have yeah. them start engaging in it. And also like cooking is a life skill. It's a life yes. skill. Get your kids in the kitchen. My youngest is nine. But even like a few years ago, we, we were sitting down at a big family dinner. We had another family with us. And I think we were having like steak or something. And she must have been like six at the time. And she went to like grab her knife to like cut her steak. And my friend like dove at her to like grab the knife. I was like, oh my God, she almost used a knife. I was like, yeah, she's six. She can. Uh Like, it's okay to let them use those things. They can Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let them sit there in front of the stove, like teach them safety and all of that. But like, let them know they can do it. Get them engaged in those meals. Vitamin C has been shown to fight oxidative stress and cancer, support oral and brain health, manage stress, increase nutrient availability, improve energy levels, combat weight gain, and reduce risk of stroke, toxic burden, hypertension, and so much more. What a powerhouse it is. My favorite vitamin C is from Paleo Valley, and you can try it today for only $4.99. That's an 85% discount. It is a powerful immune-boosting blend of three vitamin-rich organic superfoods that makes this the most powerful, full-spectrum, 100% natural vitamin C on the market with zero synthetic vitamins used. I've been using this vitamin C for years now, and I love it so much I had to share it with you. For only $4.99, what do you have to lose? Click the link in my show notes to save 85% on your vitamin C today and arm your immune system this winter with the powerful vitamin C from Paleo Valley. Yeah, I think that that ties in truly to this like healthy body image, this the way to like nourish your body. We nourish our body with food 
too. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like cooking is a life skill. So getting them involved in that meal planning process and saying like, what foods do you like that I make? I think sometimes we can like choose that to be the hill that we die on. Like (laughs) you got to eat this meal or whatever. But like if they really, really, really hate it, like what adjustments can we make? Because I say to my kids often, like not every meal is going to be your favorite. Like sometimes we just have to eat because it's mealtime. And we just need something. And so I've said, like, not every meal is my all-time favorite meal. Like, sometimes we just need nourishment, you know? So not every meal needs to be that. So not having that expectation, I think, is important too, because that along with that expectation comes a lot of pressure. So I think that we can tie that in with exercise too. Like, not every workout is going to be, like, your very best workout. And that's okay too. Like, but did it fuel your mind? You know, do you feel more energized and all of that? And I think that, when we kind of take those expectations out of our cooking or our meal choices or our exercise, that can give us a more relaxed approach to wellness because wellness, I mean, wellness is a lot more than just those two things. But then I think that we pass that down. And I think that we help them understand, oh, like mom moves her body because like she feels better and she's nicer. <laughs> I, yes. say that all the- yes. I say that to my husband a lot. Like, if I haven't worked out, I'm like, I am a bitch. I'm sorry. But I feel like I am right now because I just have not moved my body. And that plays a direct role into my mental health. It, it, it has for years. And so like recognizing that in yourself, that doesn't really have anything to do with the size of my body, but it, I feel better. And so if, if you don't have that relationship yet with exercise or food, I think our encouragement for you today is to find, find what makes you tick, quite honestly. Like if you're running and you hate it, don't run. Don't, don't run. Do it. find something else. Yeah. Don't force yourself to do something that you hate. Just like don't force yourself to eat something that you hate. There's other options. Mm-hmm. And that's the same mm-hmm. with our kids when we're like, they only eat, you know, such like a small portion. Okay. They may not have really developed taste buds yet. Don't beat yourself up if they only eat like one vegetable. Like they'll get there. Keep yeah. on exposing them to it, but don't beat yourself up over it. You know, when I was young, oh my gosh, I ate like iceberg lettuce and that was probably the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I love nothing more than a kale salad and, you know, some roasted beets. Yeah. I had to explore that and learn that somebody shoving roasted beets down my throat was not going to make me like them. No. But again, without exposure. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how we can also like create healthier kids. Like it is that exposure. It is that let's try new things. Like let's show them that that eating healthy can be fun and that it's not something that we have to do to have a smaller body. And I think that, I think that's the narrative that is so loud that drives me crazy. It's that we only eat healthy and we only exercise to be smaller. And that's not to say that you might not, you might have a weight loss goal, quite honestly, you might need to for health reasons or whatever. Like I, I'm not one to say like that, that you can't ever have that if you need to like for, for health reasons, because there are definitely things that are going on that you might need to. But I think it's the verbiage and the mindset that we have around that, that like you've said, Carrie, they're observing. Yes. They're observing. Like, are we doing this as a punishment to our body or are we doing this for our body? Yeah. And in saying that as well, you talked about like, sometimes people need to lose weight for health reasons. Okay. Yes. Sometimes that your doctor is telling you like, you need to do this. That's one thing. But we also have to be aware that we are naturally going to fall between X and X in terms of weight. Mm-hmm. That's where we're naturally going to be. And we need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Our children are also going to naturally fall between this place and this place. And 
not only do they need to be okay with it, we need to be okay with it. Because I have too many parents coming into my office telling me that their 13-year-old is overweight. And I'm going, no, they're not. So how do you navigate that? This is an important topic, I think, that we, I think we take on the narrative from when we were kids about our size. And then we kind of, what is the word? You like put it on top of that. Yeah, we project it onto our kids or we project the opinions of others onto our kids. Like, so how do you recommend that? She's going to be too big. She has to be able to accept herself wherever she's at. And my first question to the parent always when they tell me, oh, she's, they're too big. My first question always is, is that what your doctor told you? And they no, no. Okay. Then where is this coming from? Are you afraid she's too big? Mm-hmm. Are you afraid she's going to get made fun of? Are you afraid she's not going to be happy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want her to be happy. I want her to be able to wear clothes and like them. Okay. That's coming internally from her. That's not coming from the weight on her body. There's a big difference there. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some friends who are incredibly healthy. They happen to be on the larger size and that's completely okay. Like everyone's body is different. Yeah. Some people eat like absolute crap and are tiny as anything. And you're like, what's going on here? That doesn't mean they're healthy. Doesn't right. mean they feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to be more accepting of the fact that we could do basically nothing and wind up in this range. That is our range. That is who we are. Mm-hmm. And to mm-hmm. be okay with that. Yeah. And that's probably where you have to spend a lot of your time working. Yeah. Is my guess is that it's acceptance. Yeah. You know, like heights. I'm only going to be this height. It doesn't matter if I want to be taller. This is, this is what I got. Yeah. Right. I can write about it constantly or I can just embrace it. Right. And it comes back to just learning to love who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard. It I want to recognize that. Especially when we have all these images on social media, especially when we're getting all these, you know, really loud messages of this is what you should be looking like. This is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I always say, take out the shoulds. Take out the shoulds. Yeah. Because who's to say that you can't do some of those things in the body that you're in? I mean, is that the story that you're telling yourself is that you can't? I mean, have you tried? And if you, if you can't, then what can you do to get more comfortable or whatever? And maybe that is experimenting in the kitchen or maybe that's going on a walk or whatever, but doing it from a place of, I always say this, doing it from a place of self love, not from self hate and having, having that be the driving force behind the decisions that you're making. And I do think that our kids see that. I really do. You can't chase happiness. It really does come from within. It's not you're going to be happy if you lose 10 pounds. Just like it's not you're going to be happy if you get a raise at work. These things are external. They are not the things that are actually going to make you happy. And if we live a life where we're chasing it, we're never going to get there. Yeah. We have to learn to be happy in our moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So let's say a parent comes to you and they've done like all the right things. Mm-hmm. And maybe they struggled with, you know, body image or food or maybe an eating disorder or whatever growing up. And they've gone through that healing process and they've really armed themselves with all the things going into parenthood. And their child still is either struggling with body image, maybe an eating disorder. And they're like, what did I do wrong? Like, yeah. what is your encouragement for those parents who might be in that position? You didn't do anything wrong. 
you're only one piece of this whole puzzle that they're engaged in on a daily basis. You don't know what's going on with their friends and the messages there. You don't know what they're consuming. Like it's more than just the parent, although the parent is so important. And what you can do as a parent is recognize, okay, there's an issue and be ready to do something about it. And that's the biggest gift you can give your children to be able to say, okay, I recognize the problem. I'm not going to hide away from it. I'm not going to be in denial because it's so hard for me to face. I'm going to say, okay, I tried my best and here's where we're at. And now how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. And there's a very big difference between just having, you know, negative self-image and an actual eating disorder. You know, negative self-image, yes, you need to be like in a therapist and, and processing everything out and getting to where you need to be. If there is an eating disorder, that is extremely serious. You need an eating disorder specialist. Right. I'm a therapist. I work with body image all the time. If someone comes into my office with an eating disorder, I am going to refer them out to an eating disorder specialist. It is a specialty. Please just don't take them anywhere. It's a specialty. The reality is eating disorders are very, very serious. They are life or death. Yeah. Yes. I would agree with that. Obviously struggled with my own and went through therapy myself and therapy was very difficult. It was, it was. And so be armed with that to know that that is going to be, I know that was difficult for my mom, especially to watch me go through. And I was married when I went through eating disorder therapy and finally had the realization that that was something that I'd been struggling with for so long, but it started me on the path to be able to heal for sure. And I don't, I mean, I was just at war for so long. I mean, in my head, just crazy things all the time. And so I think it's important that as parents, we recognize where they're at too and recognize the help that they might need, even if that is scary or if that is triggering for us, that we, that we don't kind of put our blinders on and say, I don't want to, I don't want to know. I know that that's hard to face. Like it is. And that's when parents need to be able to say, like, I need my own therapist for this. Yeah. And also, if you have other children in the house who are watching a sibling with an eating disorder, it is impacting them. Yeah. They need a place to talk and vent as well. Because let's be honest, when there's a crisis happening in the house, all of our attention goes to that kid as it needs to. Mm -hmm. But what means is that those other kids are feeling like, I can't tell my parents this or give them this problem because they're already dealing with that. They're seeing it. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to take care of those kids as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that can go, you know, for so much more than just like food and oh, body yeah. image. Like that's yeah. just across the board. Yeah. Things. When you have a child who is in crisis, know that your other children are suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having this conversation with me. I think that it is just, it's so loaded. Mm-hmm. And I think that as parents, we, you know, come into this like, I'm going to do all these things different and I'm going to make sure that I don't make the same mistakes and yada, 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 yada. And then sometimes we, we face some of that and we face some of these things that we, that we wish we never would have had to, or we start to blame ourselves for our own story and how our story is now impacting our kids. And I think, you know, just, just the, the theme from today is I hope that you've taken is that come from that place of love for yourself and, and for your kids and for how not only you want them to feel, but how you want to feel about yourself. And so I think that they often say, you know, put your oxygen mask on first. And so if you're the one who's feeling like you can't like get over some of this stuff with your body, or if you have an unhealthy relationship with food or exercise or, or, or any of the things that we've talked about today, 
my encouragement is for you to talk to someone too and to help heal yourself. Because I think when we heal ourselves, we have the power to impact generations beyond us. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that that is really hard to raise your hand and say, I think I need help. I've been there multiple times, but it's powerful. It's very, very powerful. Every time we're that vulnerable and say, I need help, you are literally changing things for the future Mm -hmm. for yourself and for everybody around you. Yeah, absolutely. Carrie, can you please let people know how they can connect with you? And I will also have the links to your books as well in the show notes because they sound absolutely amazing. So thank you. People can find me on my website, Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy. I'm also on Instagram at Carrie Cooper Holistic Therapy. And my books are both on Amazon. They're Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Parent Needs to Know, and Mental Health Uncensored, 10 Foundations Every Teen Needs to Know, which is a workbook. Awesome. I will have all of that in the show notes. And Carrie, thank you so much for coming today and having this really important conversation with me. I hope that people have left feeling encouraged and can go about this whole entire like topic and situation in a different light after this conversation. I hope so too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Love Your Body Well podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review and let me know what resonated with you the most. This helps more people connect to the show and allows me to continue encouraging women just like you. I love when you share episodes that impacted you on social media or with your friends and family. It truly helps spread the word of compassion and kindness that all women need more of. I invite you to continue the conversation with me on my blog, loveyourbodywell.net, or on Instagram at loveyourbodywell. Thank you for being here today. I know you have a lot of podcasts to choose from, and I'm honored that you listen to mine. This podcast is for informational purposes only and not intended to provide a diagnosis or replace medical care.